0: Today on CityCast Chicago, with a week left in office, Mayor Lori Lightfoot delivered her farewell address yesterday. Lightfoot is the first incumbent in 40 years to lose re-election, and she's been largely quiet in her final weeks in office, granting very few exit interviews and rarely taking reporters' questions. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, and I break down the speech and assess Lightfoot's legacy. It's Tuesday, May 9th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. After 20 minutes of Mayor Lightfoot supporters and staffers lauding her tenure, including a glossy, highly produced Bulls pregame video of her accomplishments, the mayor took the stage. She thanked the people who worked alongside her and checked off the list of all the things she did in four years, years that were marked by a once in a lifetime pandemic and civil rights fights across the country calling for an end to police violence. But let's start with an issue the mayor made a central tenet of her campaign four years ago, equity.
1: Our whole city, not just the downtown, not just the north side, our whole city and unapologetically so. My administration has been victorious in our efforts to plant seeds of equity and, and serve the city we all love so much. And the real story of this administration is told through the lives of the people that we served. Coming into office, I knew generations of Chicagoans, particularly Black and Latino communities, were hungry for resources and support from City Hall, a city Hall that needed to see the entire city.
0: Carrie, the mayor really pointed to her Invest Southwest program, which has really been her economic initiative over the last four years. Can you tell us more about uh, about that program and whether or not it can be considered a success as she, uh, you know, says it is?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think like with anything, with uh, Lightfoot or any uh Any official's legacy, its the answer depends on who you ask, right? So the thing with Invest uh, Southwest, as she mentioned there, this was a big part of her campaign when she was elected in 2019. And um, another big thing that, you know, she didn't even talk about was her her slogan was bring in the light. So it was a lot about her, you know, bringing reform into uh, the fifth floor and transparency. Invest Southwest um, is this idea of bringing development, investment, developing vacant land on the south and west sides, which we know in Chicago is largely black and brown neighborhoods and not just investing in downtown, not just investing in the loop. Now, there was reporting, you know, in the last couple of years that, um, you know, appropriately so put some scrutiny on these uh, these accolades for Invest Southwest. Um, How many of them are actually off the ground? You know, we see this all the time when when officials announce some big development. You know, you do the you do the photo op with the groundbreaking and then you're like, wait, what happened with that? Um, So these um, some reporting by Cranes and the Tribune found that. A lot of these projects had, you know, started before Lightfoot took office. An example um, is that the Park District just opened their new uh, Brighton Park on the southwest side uh, headquarters. And, you know, we heard actually before Lightfoot's speech that, you know, this added like 200 jobs in the neighborhood. This I had been hearing about since Rahm Emanuel was mayor. This was Mm -hmm. announced. so. Maybe she pushed some of these. uh, The question remains now. So, like, maybe she pushed some across the finish line, but maybe she didn't start um, all that development. And then also, like, there are questions of like, well, wait, were these really developed or did we just say these are going to be developed?
0: Yeah. In addition to that, the language around Invest Southwest, which... I think all Chicagoans would agree that investing in our neighborhoods is critical to uplifting our city. Most residents in South and West Side communities have been begging for generations that vacant business corridors, vacant lots be improved, that more businesses be brought in, that more health hubs be brought in, more public land. But when you start looking at some of these major developments, and these are big numbers, right? There's one in South Shore. They gave $47 Auburn Gresham Development got $43 million. $53 at million Humboldt Park. And some of these cases, residents who are saying, this is a great idea. We love this initiative. We love the marketing. But they ultimately end up feeling left out. A lot of the decisions that get made about what ultimately ends up in these places. Um, And so as we move forward, we'll still have to contend as Brandon Johnson comes into office. You know, what is the future of the Invest Southwest programs? Will a lot of these developments not only cut ribbons, but but actually be seen all the way through?
3: And that said, too probably what we're going to see in the next four years under Brandon Johnson is some of these projects that got money from Invest Southwest, you know, in 2021 and 2022, he's then going to take credit for those when those, Mm -hmm. you know, finally do come to fruition, right? It's the cycle of this is the cycle of of electoral politics. So uh, so I think the the what how how we rate Lightfoot on it, I think kind of has to be looked at from a, a long term lens as well.
0: Of course, we have to talk about, I mean, three out of four, four years, we're living through a global pandemic, something there was no way for the mayor or any of us to prepare for.
1: I still remember the surreal feeling of learning about the city's first COVID case. I will never forget the daily vigil of watching the deadly contagion sweep across Asia to Europe and then to our coast. Its presence here in Chicago was inevitable. But that first case notification made time stand still for me just for a moment.
0: Simone, she obviously gave praise to Dr. Allison Arwoody, who was there and uh, it, you know, still, um, you know, we'll we'll know soon if Allison Arwoody will stay in that position. But how else did she and others talk about her handling of the pandemic during this farewell
3: yeah, I mean, she she talked a lot about how how difficult it was, which I think any of us can acknowledge, right? I think Lightfoot and Arwady got a lot of high marks, sort of early on in the pandemic, for being really out front, being really communicative. You know, during the stay home order, you know, my sense is that there was, if nothing else quite a lot of clarity of, you need to stay home, you need to mask up, this this is how this is going down, and we've got cases, and here's what's happening.
2: I mean, she became a meme, remember? Yeah, it was like her, yeah, yeah. Her, like, stay home, and it was,
3: like, kind of like this,
2: she was kind of this folk hero for it,
3: yeah. And and I do think there was a sense in Chicago, you know, despite sort of some of the inequities we were seeing in the way this disease was progressing, I, I do think there was a sense that of, of in-it-togetherness, right, that said, by the time I got here, I, I got to Chicago in February 2021, mid-pandemic. It's a very different time. With you know, I think that's when, you know, things kind of started to feel different. The rollout of the vaccine, we saw in and who was able to get the vaccine. There were issues around, mm-hmm. um, you know, COVID testing pop-ups that that you know were kind of scammy. Um, th- were bogus. Yeah, uh, and and I think it became and then it became an issue of like okay well how are businesses recovering from the pandemic what does that look like and then is that equitable as well these are huge issues and really tough to tough to manage i think lightfoot probably thinks that she did a pretty good job of it you know of of managing um all those different elements but you know one thing i think it's worth noting is like at the end of 2022, we had federal funds that we hadn't used yet, federal money, mm-hmm. you know, millions and millions of dollars that hadn't been spent on things like, um, you know, in addition to development and, and getting those businesses back, things like housing, th- really basic needs of getting people food, um, getting people uh, getting people housed, uh, which also became and are still huge sort of pandemic ramifications, you know, now in 2023, um, And that is the element that I think uh, people will question Lightfoot's legacy on is sort of, okay, you got us through that really hard part where we all had to stay home and we all had to mask up. What happened after that? did you do everything you really could? And did you, did you, did you uh, prioritize the people that need to be prioritized? Did they really get the help that they needed?
0: Yeah. I remember there Mm -hmm. was so much scrutiny around how much COVID money was being used for like police overtime uh, when that Mm -hmm. first amount of funding came through. And then when it was time to reopen the schools, there was this huge back and forth between the Chicago Teachers Union, Chicago Public Schools and the mayor's office on uh, on, on what is the appropriate thing to do. And while I understand that there was likely to be tension, there was likely to be back and forth, the one thing I personally did not appreciate is the mayor really went hard at the teachers to basically say they don't care about students, that they don't mm-hmm. care about um, what students are facing in terms of learning loss, in terms of hardships, that they are uh, sort of uh, just sort of abandoning kids at home. And from all of the teachers that are in my life, from all the ones we've talked to, I never got that sentiment amongst teachers. It always seemed that the heart of this was about feeling safe going back into their buildings, feeling safe bringing, you know, thousands of students back into classrooms who all come from different backgrounds, different neighborhoods, who the resources that they have at home to fight COVID might not be the same. Um, I I never really appreciated that tenor that that conversation took. Uh, But as you can imagine, uh, the mayor didn't really focus on a lot of the the things she uh, may have regretted. At least listening to this farewell speech, she didn't have any. She 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 kind of do everything all over again if she had the choice.
2: That's a really good point, Jacoby. It's kind of. It's always kind of nasty, like pitting teachers against students or teachers against parents, because especially in the pandemic, we spent so much time praising as we should have first responders, but teachers are on the front lines so much, too. You know, it was that even the pandemic showed us even more what teachers do, that when kids aren't in the classroom and teachers aren't there to notice it, what's missed and what they're not, what kids are not getting and what they're not getting taken care of. (laughs) We'll be right back. <laughs> back.
0: We heard during the mayor's reelection campaign about some of the, you know, those big projects she got over the finish line or at least close to her mind. Carrie, can you remind us what some of those uh, big wins the mayor is pitching to us?
2: I'm surprised this didn't get mentioned more in her farewell address by the mayor, but was mentioned before, like we said. And, you know, she had sort of supporters, surrogates and this glossy video uh, praising her accomplishments. It was very well produced. Um, and it was. That
0: this. Is the commercial?
1: <laughs> (laughs) I was like,
0: they missed. I'm like, why your best video
1: the last one? I'm a different kind of person. The freedom that I have, having not come up through the Democratic machine, is that I can do things my way because I am only beholden to the voters. Ladies and gentlemen, Mayor... They had two.
3: They had two commercials in there. They had one that was like all her accomplishments and one that was just the pandemic. There were
1: two uh-huh. different
3: commercials in that one video. Anyway. They really, they're really were. It's sort of like,
1: were these recycled from her re-election bid? And challenging the status quo. That's exciting to me. It's the time for a new era of trust between the people of Chicago and the government that serves them. The,
2: and who, who knows? So the, the big one we're going to hear about and that we've talked a lot about on CityCast is the casino. This is something that Chicago mayors have been trying since Mayor Richard M., to happen for Chicago to say this could be, uh, you know, a tax boost for the city. There's always sort of been this tension between um, Chicago mayors and be it the governor, be it legislators who don't want this to happen because they think it'll put the tax burden to build a casino in Chicago would put the tax burden on the rest of the state. You know, this is a common theme, Chicago versus everyone. But her making this happen is, is a pretty big deal, sure. We've heard from the folks in River North and around uh, where the casino will be about how much they're opposed to it. We've heard from downtown aldermen who are very much opposed to the temporary casino at the Medina Temple in River North because of how much traffic it's going to cause. We also heard from a lot of people who are very excited. They don't have to go to the suburbs or Northwest Indiana to gamble. And they think that this, you know, and obviously... The boosters say, look how much, how many jobs this is creating, you know, from car dealers to marketing people to, you know, everything. So um, the casino, I think, is a really big one that, you know, people will talk about for a long time that actually Lightfoot did. There was a lot. A lot of her predecessors build it up, but she actually did get it across the finish line.
3: Yeah, we've got a we've got an actual provider, Bally's, you know, huge casino. Yes, uh, you know, they they run casinos all over. Like coming in to to build a casino in Chicago, that's no that's no small feat. And. Uh, the fact that that thing is also supposed to have all kinds of different amenities in addition to just the games, right? right that are that are there. I know my mom's excited to come visit the casino when she visits me.
0: <laughs> I'm really interested to see how Mayor-elect Brandon Johnson positions himself next to mega developments that have either been in the works since Rahm Emanuel. You think of like a Lincoln Yards, for example, but also these yep. developments that came along that you know have kind of split fanfare, but seem imminent when you think like a casino a NASCAR but also how he positions himself against things like you know a red line extension which every mayor mm-hmm. for generations and generations and generations has you know sort of promised to deliver on and I mean there there could be a likelihood that we see some actual movement physical structural movement under his tenure and so i wonder how he'll will he just sort of blanketly take credit for all the wins and when he you know when he can't like maybe nascar for example he comes in with like a you know slightly positive demeanor but if it goes wrong it's just like hey the contract but if nascar goes
3: if nascar goes really really well which it might like it might draw you know hundreds of thousands of new people to Grant Park that, you know, we already weren't getting. Like if NASCAR is really, really successful, I su- I suspect, you know, yeah, of course he's going to be like, yeah, this is great. And of course we're going to do it again. This was a great idea by my predecessor. Of course, yeah.
0: It was well documented through, especially this campaign season. All of her opponents came at her in some ways because the narrative is that Lightfoot didn't bite her tongue when she didn't get along with media, or staffers or other politicians. We covered stories of arguments on the city council floor between her and other alders. Um, You know, she she spoke about this a little bit in her speech.
1: Lots of time and energy and ink has been spilt by the pundits and the media assessing about what four letter word the mean can't get along with anyone mayor allegedly said. (laughs) And let me tell you, my friends, The four-letter word that propelled me forward every single day of this incredible journey, one that I intoned every time that I needed to rise above the noise and the despair. That four-letter word was spelled H. O. P. E.
0: I I understand in in some respects where the mayor is coming from. Right. You I I imagine anybody running for that position knows the the critical scrutiny that they are going to be put over during their tenure. And when you're looking at a pandemic, for example, when you're looking at an, an uprising after the killing of George Floyd, Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot was put in a very difficult position, but I think one word that was missing one nine letter word missing from this speech is apologize. Because I think one of the things people felt throughout Mayor Lightfoot's tenures, particularly when you think about young people, uh, who often had to, uh, sort of bear the brunt of criticism in this city when we talk about uprisings and violence, um, I think they deserved a sense of I apologize because coming into this position, especially with the uprising, yes, was difficult. But I read one tweet that said the minute you raise those bridges and. That's when your reelection was lost and not taking some measure of accountability in this speech, apologizing for the people who don't feel like they were listened to, who don't feel like transparency was delivered, who don't feel like there was sort of true equity in some of these conversations, I think would have went a long way. Um, to, to kind of push back against this feeling that the mayor, you know, sort of had no regrets and, and was always just being attacked versus taking some sense of accountability for, uh, you know, the way she positioned uh, herself towards uh, people in the city.
2: And raised the bridges you're referring to. Yeah. When there were, you know, protests and and rallies downtown, you know, raising the bridges so people couldn't even get into downtown to participate in what is their right, you know, to be out, Or get out. Exactly,
0: to get out. And the mayor never seemed to speak with empathy about the the people who were caught up in in police violence, whether it was outside of the the Columbus statue or whether it was in in downtown Hyde Park during marches, you know, never apologized for using, you know, salt trucks and trash... uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and garbage trucks just around the city to sort of blockade people into their neighborhoods and never really apologize f- for the harm that, that people felt throughout this tenure.
3: I'll also just say, too, sort of the 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 point that she makes here about sort of media coming after her and pundits coming after her, I think uh, it's, you know, something that her supporters will say and that she often brings up is is right... Certainly, um, somebody like former Mayor Rahm Emanuel or former Mayor Richard M. Daley um, were not necessarily known for being like mm-hmm. soft, friendly people, right? These are these are men who who you know really ran the city of Chicago the way one imagines the mayor of of a city like Chicago to run it. You know, it's very it is this brash, very um, abrasive, brass, yeah,
0: red tape, mm-hmm.
3: and and they and. Their supporters lauded them for it. And so Lightfoot supporters will say, you know, oh, you've got a black gay woman. And now suddenly this is not okay." I think what that fails to sort of see is 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 the issue wasn't so much her brashness in and of itself. It's she couldn't really work with folks to get her agenda done like you. If you're a mayor you have 50 aldermen that you have and among city commissioners and heads and various department people that yes, you hire, but yes, you have to work with too. And if you want to get stuff done, you're going to need their support. And if you can't get them on board, that, that makes you weak in your job. Like that, that means you're not doing your job very well. And I think that is sort of the the distinction to make. And, and one thing that I don't think um, that nuance, I think we don't necessarily get at quite enough uh, when we're talking mm-hmm. about Lightfoot and how she's remembered.
0: Yeah, because Chicago is not against like arrogance or cockiness or like standing right. up for yourself or, you know, pushing your agenda. I don't think Chicago is against um, sort of poking your chest out. But like you said, there was in that sort of a a twinge of political amateurism um, that, that couldn't be shaped.
2: And both things can be true that she probably did get it more as most You know, female, black and especially gay politicians get it more. But like you said, Simone, I mean, it's just it's about like plain politics. And also just there were like revelations of how, you know, there's these text messages and emails of how she talked to her staff, which I thought were a big turnoff for people even if you get rid of like the media we can take it we signed up for it it's thick skin Mm -hmm. and then also just how she like her relationship with the governor you know these texts that came out that were sort of like you know she was kind of chastised the governor on he didn't do this or he didn't do this and we like to think that like our governor and the mayor and the leader of our the state's largest city can can get along and work some things out because they kind of have to, you know.
3: So I, it was I little, will point out yeah. though, Pritzker's response to that wasn't "Don't talk to me this way." It was "You should call me," and the subtext there is because those texts are public record. Exactly, can, totally, can totally.
2: Even more even more reason. It was like amateur versus pro, he's sort of like, I'm not gonna write anything. I know that the I right. know <laughs> Greg Pratt's gonna publish these. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Let's yeah, just call me. Don't even text me. Just call me. Exactly. Just call me. <sighs> just call me. <laughs>
0: Obviously, this conversation is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, We're going to continue to look into the details of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's legacy, especially on Monday with a couple of friends of the show, people who actually covered her tenure very closely. And we're also going to look ahead to the challenges and and some of the optimism coming in with Mayor Elect. And at that time, uh, after the inauguration, Mayor Brandon Johnson. Thank you to lead producer Carrie Shepard and producer Samal Aliseya. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Mayor-elect Brandon Johnson has released his new plan for city council, including bringing the number of committees to 20 by adding one for police and fire. Johnson named Alderwoman Pat Dow as the head of the powerful finance committee and Carlos Ramirez Rosa as the floor leader. For a full list of his committee chairs, check the show notes. CTA is getting a $200 million federal grant to replace about 300 of the city's nearly 1,500 L-Train cars. Them things is old. Some been in use since the 80s. And some good news. The Special Olympic Spring Games kicks off on the near south side today at Dunbar Park. I'll drop a link to the activity calendar for the next four days in the show notes. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you're following along with our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. Our newsletter editor, Sydney Madden, is trying to get you ready for patio and outdoor season. It's already among us. I booked like two, three reservations today myself. I'm not playing with y'all. And yes, I'm also gatekeeping where I booked so I can keep it to myself. I'll be back bright and early tomorrow. Peace. Today on CityCast Chicago, Jacoby gets corrected yet again.